Now, what's interesting about that is, if you do that, it starts impacting your life. Uh, all of a sudden, we realize that many of us are married. And so any part of our marriage that we have control over, we design it to be useful to God, not just profitable and comfortable to us. Did you know your marriage can be useful to God? I, I remember when, when I was dating Bonnie, I prayed for her for my whole life because my parents never got along, so I didn't want to be married. And so I said, Lord, don't let me marry the wrong one. So I dated over 700 different girls once. I did, honestly. I kept a list, so I'd never hit them twice, you know. Dated them once. And, and then I met Bonnie. I remember knocking on her door, you know. And she came to the door, and when that door opened like this, I, I, now this is not normal for you, but boy, I looked at her and I said inside my head, you are who I prayed for my whole life. You are the one. I didn't tell her that till the next date. <laughs> and, uh, and as the words, remember, phonographic mind, I was thinking it, so I said it, and I looked at her and I said, you are who I prayed for for 27 years. You. And as the last word came out of my mouth, I thought, what a pickup line. She probably thinks I say that to all 700 of them, you know? And that's why they all ditch me. But, but what I decided is I would study what marriage is supposed to be, to be useful to God. If you're going to spend most of your life married, what, what does God say is the way you're supposed to design it? And you know what the Lord says? It says that our marriage is supposed to be a living advertisement for everybody that sees us of how Christ loves the church. And people should see our good works in our marriage. And when they see them, glorify God in heaven. When's the last time someone stopped and looked at you and said, I, your marriage is so different. What is it about you? You say, it's not me. I was born a selfish, rotten sinner. And you were too. Uh, but, you know, you don't tell them that right away. But, you know, it's true. And anything good is the Lord. And you design your marriage to be a, a reflection of Christ. You raise your children to be useful to God, not the world. I think a lot of parents have not got that figured out. They want, they push their kids to succeed, to, to, to go in every direction at the expense often of God. And they end up climbing the ladder and succeeding. And the ladder is leaning against the wrong building. And they're not pleasing God. They're, they, they've neglected and, and been deadened to the things of God in their mad pursuit of not... The primary goal is not to be useful to God. That's the first thing you decide. When you're picking a school, when you're picking a career, when you're picking something, how useful is that to God? Not to me or the world. To God. That's his investment program. We measure our jobs by whether or not they contribute to us being useful to God or whether they make us worldly and selfish and materialistic and lukewarm. It's not worth $50,000 more to be lukewarm and materialistic and, and far from God. And yet, who, who says that? When people say, pray, I've got a job opportunity over here, do we pause and say, mm, wow, you get a bigger house, better car, more money for the kids? Is it going to make you worldly? Is it, what, 
how is this going to impact our spiritual life? See, that's, that's like those two people with the phone behind me. That's the level we have to be. And we start looking at our house, our purchases, all of our possessions. Do they help us reach the nations or do they hinder us? Are all those things we have like a giant anchor and, and they're holding us back? We could never go. We're too far in debt with our school loans. You know? Did you know there's nothing wrong with, with having a non-pompous you know, pompous title and not being in debt and having a comfortable... Do you remember when it used to be if you just had a house and a family and enough to eat and you, know, you were home some, that you were successful, and now you've got to have bigger and better and higher and be further in debt? And, and we have to start looking at that. And then, wow, we begin to track our time usage and see whether it reflects a burden for serving God's desires, our own desires. Do you see why... You do this in a coffee shop? Because it takes time to honestly look someone in the eye and to ask them those questions. And then you ask them, do you have spirit-empowered gladness? Do you know how to surrender yourself like Romans 12 says to do? How are your prayers? Is the Holy Spirit energizing your prayer life or is it mechanical? How about your hope? Do you live in hope or does life not turn out the way you thought it would and you're depressed? about it. How about this? Are you assured? Do you know beyond a shadow of a doubt? Does the Spirit of God minister to your heart that you're a son and daughter of God? And how about your connectedness and closeness? Do you feel connected, that that you are walking in step, united in the body? Uh, How about confidence in your direction in life? Uh, do Do you know he's guiding uh, how about the, the whole idea of, this is Hebrews uh, 7.16, we live after the power of an endless life. Yet we live like, like uh, we're scared to death, it's going to be over. Do you have a spirit-empowered life? Is God changing and transforming you and, and how? Are you like the 747? Have you felt the power of being set free from the law of sin and death and liberated? And are you witnessing to that? Are you saying, hey, my flashlight works? Can I show you how yours can work? See, that's, that's what this, that's what Romans is about. And the Holy Spirit is our new operating system. And that's what God wants us to be telling others of what he's doing in our life.